And now, Greenlight Reviews, hosted by Ann Elder and Les Roberts. Welcome, everybody, to Greenlight Reviews. I'm Les Roberts. I'm Ann Elder. We've got something very special to review today. Mm-hmm. It's a film called The King's Speech. Right. It stars Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush and... I think it is one of the best films I have seen in many, many years. What did you think of it, Anne? Oh, I thought it was not b- b- bad. Oh, dear. <laughs> Anne did that because it is about the former king of Britain, George VI. Mm-hmm. Before he became king, he was a very, very noticeable stammerer. Mm-hmm. Everyone in England at the time mm-hmm. was aware of his speech impediment because he was a royal public figure and he had to make speeches on the radio quite often. So finally, in embarrassment and in desperation, he goes searching for a speech therapist. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what they say, Les, behind every great man is a great woman. And in this case, it was his wife, the Queen Elizabeth at that time. We know her as the Queen Mum, but Queen Elizabeth decided that her husband needed a little bit of help in the speech department. So she actually, if in those days they had had want ads, she would have gone through them and found a great speech therapist to help her husband. By the way, Queen Elizabeth in this film is played by Helena Bonham Carter. Mm -hmm. She's annoyed us in the last couple of films she's done. She is superb in this one. She's absolutely great. And it's such a beautiful portrait that she paints here of this very wonderful and compassionate wife. I really loved her character. But then, of course, I loved everything about this movie. It's, as I say, one of the best films I've seen in years. It is so brilliantly written. It is so wonderfully directed by Tom Hooper. David Seidler is the author, by the way. And the acting is not to be believed. Well, I think we have to remember that the film is about the rehabilitation of the king's speech and how this fascinating relationship grows between the commoner Australian therapist played to perfection by Jeffrey Rush and the king in waiting, Bond, and how this Australian is able to finally get the king to overcome his stammer. I mean, there are so many wonderful moments in the film, but I think that's basically the lifeline of the film. It's about the stammer, but it's really about the friendship between these two unlikely people. Absolutely. And the dialogue between them is so witty. It is so clever. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't talk to the king that way. They don't call him Bertie, (laughs) which was his real first name. Right. Albert. And only the family called him Bertie. And son of a gun, this professor, Lionel Logue, starts calling him Bertie to make him feel relaxed. That is a wonderful moment, making him do exercises that make him look very funny. It's so wonderful. Well, I think, too, Les, that it's important to note that the king had to go to Lionel's studio. Lionel did not go to the king's castle. That's right. And he did so because he wanted the king, Bertie, to come there and be an equal to him on his turf because he felt that that was the only way he could get to the heart of Bertie's stammering problem. You know, the therapy here was not just to correct the stutter, but it was also to get to the root of the problem. And it was only through their deep friendship that Bertie was able to finally unlock the reason why he stammered so. And those are brilliant, relevatory scenes. And I think that while the movie has lots of humor, it also has, you know, a tremendous amount of human drama. Oh, definitely. And also, George was so insecure because they played newsreel footage.
heritage of some of the other leaders that were, of course, big back in the day, namely Adolf Hitler and Mussolini. And these fellows spoke with great abandon and with a great ability. And of course, George wasn't sure what they were saying, but he knew they were saying it with passion Absolutely. and they were doing it well. And that's why he had to go to this speech therapist, because a big part of his job as the king sitting on the throne was to make addresses to his people, the oh, people sure. of England. And if he did it stuttering and stammering, they would not have respect for him. Absolutely. So this is a wonderful film on so many levels. And to see some of the wonderful supporting actors, oh, yes. Guy Pierce played Edward VII. Michael Gambon was in this film, and brilliantly, Derek Jacobi plays the Archbishop of Canterbury. Isn't he great? <laughs> a man who is very, very rigid and not very kind at all. And seeing him working opposite Jeffrey Rush and Colin Firth, these are wonderful, wonderful moments. This is a terrific film. I would recommend it to anybody. I think it's a brilliant film, and there's so much eloquent dialogue in the movie. I was shocked, frankly, Les, when I went to see this movie in the Cineplex with a whole bunch of people. And, you know, we keep thinking that maybe this audience for this film would only want to see some of the special effect kind of 3D movies and so on. Sure. They sat there and they roared at all the appropriate spots. They loved this movie. On the way out, I heard many people saying, these are the kind of movies we'd like to see more of. Why isn't Hollywood doing more movies like this? So, you know, it makes me believe that there's a real audience for genuinely classic masterpiece kind of movies. And this falls right into that category. Absolutely. You know, when I watched it, I couldn't help thinking of one of my favorite movies of all time, All About Eve, which was made in 1950. It has nothing to do with royalty or anything like this, but it is a film that is so brilliant to watch, mm -hmm. and it's all dialogue. There are no fist fights. There are no shootouts. There are no car chases. There are no special effects. And right. it's the same with the King's Speech. This is great, great movie making. Well, I think we should at least touch on the denouement of the story, which is the reason for the title, The King's yes. Speech. George has to prepare for the speech of a lifetime. He's got to deliver it on the radio, and it is to really make the people of England feel secure about him as they are on the verge of entering into World War II. Exactly. And as as he enters the room where the microphone is set up and so on, the director then cuts to all these great scenes with the English countrymen all sitting around listening to their radios. Some of them are at the front line. Some of them are in pubs. Others are in their little living rooms. And they're all waiting for George to deliver this monumental speech. And you watch the king nervously approaching the microphone in the palace. How will he do the speech? Will he be able to really give the speech of a lifetime? And helping him, direct him all the way through that speech is his old friend, Lionel Logue, the Australian speech therapist. This is one of the most brilliant moments in cinema, to sit there and watch this man struggle with his speech, with the words, and eventually come. It. Wow, this is great filmmaking. And to watch Jeffrey Rush as Logue, almost directing an orchestra. Right. He's right in front of the king. He's helping him. He's rooting for him, as we all are. And what I really loved was the audience in the theater broke into spontaneous applause. Yeah. That's the kind of movie that makes your heart soar. And I really mean it. This is the kind of classic filmmaking that we really need more of. Green light from me. 
all the way. Well, certainly a green light for me as well. And I look forward to seeing other films like this. I look forward to Hollywood, watching what's going on here. And one or two people, yeah, they'll (laughs) get it. They'll get it and they'll say, why can't we do a movie like that? Well, why can't you and why don't you? So, two victorious green lights for The King's Speech. We're going to come back and review another film very, very shortly. We hope you will join us then. Until that time, my name is Les Roberts. I'm Ann Elder. And Greenlight Reviews hopes that we're all going to cheer victoriously the next time we see something this good at the movies. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.